Greetings. Welcome to Alliance Resource Partners LP fourth quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the forum presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero from your telephone keypad. Please note this conference is being recorded. At this time, it's my pleasure to turn the conference over to Carrie P. Marshall, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Mr. Marshall, you may now begin. Thank you, Operator, and welcome, everyone. Earlier this morning, Alliance Resource Partners released its fourth quarter and full year 2023 financial and operating results, and we will now discuss those results as well as our perspective on current market conditions and outlook for 2024. Following our prepared remarks, we will open the call to answer your questions. Before beginning, a reminder that some of our remarks today may include forward-looking statements subject to a variety of risks, uncertainties, and assumptions contained in our filings from time to time with the Securities and Exchange Commission and are also reflected in this morning's press release. While these forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to us, if one or more of these risks or uncertainties materialize, or if our underlying assumptions prove incorrect, actual results may vary materially from those we projected or expected. In providing these remarks, the partnership has no obligation to publicly update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, unless required by law to do so. Finally, we will also be discussing certain non-GAAP financial measures, definitions and reconciliations of the differences between these non-GAAP financial measures and the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures are contained at the end of ARLP's press release, which has been posted on our website and furnished to the SEC on Form 8K. With the required preliminaries out of the way, I will begin with a review of our results for the fourth quarter and full year, give an overview of our 2024 guidance, then turn the call over to Joe Kraft, our Chairman, President, and Chief Executive Officer, for his comments. During 2023, we delivered another record full year in terms of revenues, coal sales price per ton, oil and gas royalty volumes, and net income. We accomplished these records in a challenging year for the global economy, pressured by high interest rates, global geopolitical unrest, and continued volatility in commodity prices. Operationally, we had to contend with reduced volumes across the Appalachia region, primarily caused by lower recoveries fewer operating units at MC Mining, and challenging geologic conditions that delayed development of a new district at our Metiki Longwall operation. Notwithstanding these obstacles, we achieved our outstanding results through a combination of our well-contracted order book, tight focus on operating efficiencies, and investment for longer-term strategic positioning with our customers. Full-year revenues were $2.6 billion, an increase from $2.4 billion in 2022. Net income was $630.1 million, up from $586.2 million, and earnings per unit increased nearly 10% from $4.39 in 2022 to $4.81 in 2023. Looking more closely at the fourth quarter comparisons, total revenues were $625.4 million in the 2023 quarter, compared to $704.2 million in the 2022 quarter. 
The year-over-year decline was driven primarily by lower coal prices, lower oil and gas prices, and reduced coal sales volumes in Appalachia, which more than offset record oil and gas royalty volumes and higher transportation and other revenues. Total coal sales price per ton was $60.60 for the 2023 quarter, a decrease of 10.7% versus the 2022 quarter. Softer demand in both domestic and international markets, resulting from a mild start to winter and lower natural gas prices, negatively impacted coal pricing. This was partially offset by the positive impacts of our contracted order book. On a sequential basis, coal sales price per ton was 6.7% lower. As it relates to volumes, total coal production of 7.9 million tons was 6.6% lower compared to the 2022 quarter, while coal sales volumes decreased 7.5% to 8.6 million tons compared to the 2022 quarter. Illinois Basin coal sales volumes increased by 2.1 and 6.1% compared to the 2022 and sequential quarters, respectively. The increase is the result of higher volumes from our Hamilton and Warrior mines compared to the 2022 quarter and from our Gibson South operations sequentially. Coal sales volumes in Appalachia were down 27.4 and 8.8% respectively compared to the 2022 and sequential quarters. The reduced volumes across the region was primarily caused by lower recoveries, reduced operating units at MC Mining, a scheduled longwall move at our Tunnel Ridge Mine, and challenging geologic conditions at our Metiki Longwall operation that delayed the development of a new longwall district. Additionally, 2023 quarter coal inventory and tons sold were negatively impacted by approximately 0.6 million tons due to an unexpected temporary outage at a third-party Gulf Coast export terminal we use for export market sales. In our royalty segments, total revenues were $53 million in the 2023 quarter, down 1.9% year-over-year, but essentially unchanged sequentially. The year-over-year decrease in revenues reflects lower realized oil and gas commodity pricing that more than offset record oil and gas volumes and increases in coal royalty revenue per ton. Specifically, coal royalty revenue per ton was up 24.3% compared to the 2022 quarter, while lower commodity prices led to oil and gas royalties averaged realized sales prices being down 19.7% per BOE versus the 2022 quarter. Sequentially, coal royalty revenue per ton was 0.9% lower, and oil and gas royalties average sales prices were up 0.9% per BOE. Oil and gas royalty volumes increased 13.1% on a BOE basis to a new record, while coal royalty tons sold declined 5.4% year over year. The record volumes from oil and gas resulted from increased drilling and completion activities on our interests and acquisitions of additional oil and gas mineral interests. Turning to costs, segment-adjusted EBITDA expense per ton sold for our coal operations was $42.91, an increase of 7.9 and 4.2% versus the 2022 and sequential quarters, respectively. The impacts of lower volumes I just discussed in Appalachia and higher-cost purchase coal more than offset improvements in the Illinois Basin. Specifically, the Illinois Basin saw higher volumes and lower expenses at the Hamilton mine as compared to the 2022 quarter, 
when the facility experienced an unexpected outage that lasted four weeks. Last quarter, we gave additional color to our Appalachian Longwall operation at MedTiki. It was, in, it was idle for the entire third quarter and into the fourth quarter, but returned to production in late December. In 2024, we expect to move the long wall again, skipping over a region of adverse geology, and resume production under much more favorable mining conditions in March. This is expected to benefit overall production volumes and cost in Appalachia in 2024 when compared to the back half of 2023, which is reflected in the guidance I will discuss in a moment. Our net income in the 2023 quarter was $115.4 million, 46.8% lower as compared to the 2022 quarter. The decrease reflects the previously discussed lower coal sales volumes and realized prices, higher production expenses, and lower realized prices in oil and gas royalties, partially offset by higher coal royalty sales price per ton realizations, and record volumes in oil and gas royalties. EBITDA for the quarter was $185.4 million, down 37.6% as compared to the 2022 quarter. Now turning to our balance sheet and uses of cash. Alliance generated free cash flow for the full year 2023 of $421.6 million. During the 2023 quarter, we completed two acquisitions of mineral interest, totaling $24.8 million, for 3,236 net royalty acres in the Permian, Anadarko, and Williston basins. Additionally, during the 2023 quarter, we paid a quarterly distribution of 70 cents per unit, equating to an annualized rate of $2.80 per unit. This distribution level is unchanged sequentially and as compared to the 2022 quarter. Lastly, we reduced our debt outstanding by $22.9 million, resulting in total and net leverage ratios of 0.37 and 0.31 times respectively total debt to trailing 12 months adjusted EBITDA. Total liquidity was $492.1 million at year-end, which included $59.8 million of cash on the balance sheet. Turning to our initial guidance detailed in this morning's release, 2024 is shaping up to be a solid year for ARLP with a well-contracted order book and the opportunity to flex additional export tons should market conditions warrant the move. As you will notice, we have provided some additional color to our outlook by detailing both estimated realized pricing and cost per ton by region. Our expected realized full year 2024 price is based on a com combination of our contracted order book and our expectations for additional contracting, both domestic and export, for the open position. We expect the logistic issues that pressured the second half of 2023, including low river system water levels and an extended outage at the third-party export terminal we utilize in the Gulf of Mexico, to no longer impact 2024 results. We anticipate ARLP's overall coal sales volumes in 2024 to be in a range of 34 to 35.8 million tons, with over 90% of these volumes committed and priced at attractive levels similar to the 2023 averaged realized pricing. Specifically, our committed tonnage for 2024 is 32.5 million tons, including 28.4 million domestically and 4.1 million to the export markets. Coal sales prices in the Illinois Basin are expected to range between $54.50 and $56 per ton 
compared to $55.21 per ton in 2023, and in Appalachia, in the range of $80.50 to $83.50 per ton, compared to $86.98 per ton sold in 2023. On the cost side, we expect full-year 2024 segment-adjusted EBITDA expense per ton in the Illinois Basin to be in a range of $35.25 to $37.25 per ton as compared to $34.84 in 2023. And in Appalachia, $54.25 to $57.25 per ton as compared to $53.15 per ton in 2023. During the full year 2024, we have three scheduled long wall moves at Hamilton, three at Tunnel Ridge, and two at Matiki with one of the moves at Medtiki and one at Hamilton scheduled in March. In our oil and gas royalty segment, we expect sales of 1.4 to 1.5 million barrels of oil, 5.6 to 6 million MCF of natural gas, and 675 to 725,000 barrels of liquid. Segment-adjusted EBITDA expense is expected to be approximately 12% of oil and gas royalties revenues for the year. In 2024, we are anticipating 450 to 500 million in total capital expenditures. Consistent with messaging in recent quarters, 2023 and 2024 are years of elevated capital expenditures as we make long-term strategic investments in our Riverview, Warrior, Hamilton, and Tunnel Ridge mines to ensure they remain reliable, low-cost operations for many years to come. Starting in 2025, we anticipate our capital expenditures to return to more normalized levels of $6.75 to $7.75 per ton produced. Additionally, we remain committed to investing in our oil and gas minerals business, the amount of which will be dependent upon the opportunities available that meet our underwriting standards. Next, we remain focused on continuing to improve our balance sheet, maintaining flexibility and strong liquidity. We expect to retire the $285 million outstanding on our senior notes periodically throughout the balance of 2024 using a combination of operating cash flows and a number of attractive financing options currently available to us, including increases to our existing facilities, equipment financings, and utilizing the collateral value of our high-quality and unencumbered royalty assets, all of which are at various stages of execution today. Thereafter, we will continue to evaluate the highest return and best use of excess cash flow. This includes returning capital to our unit holders in the form of cash distributions or unit repurchases and accretive growth opportunities that extend beyond our base business. With that, I will turn the call over to Joe for comments on the market and his outlook for ARLP. Joe? Uh, Thank you, Carrie, and good morning, everyone. I want to, be, to begin my comments by thanking and congratulating the entire Alliance organization for their resilience, continued hard work, and dedication for delivering another record year for total revenue, realized pricing per ton sold, oil and gas royalty volumes, and net income. Carrie did an excellent job summarizing our 2023 results and outlining our guidance for the upcoming year as well as explaining the factors that contributed to our success in 2023. As we look to 2024, our cold sales book 
is expected to be equally as strong as last year and be the anchor to deliver another solid year of revenue. Our dependability and the reliability of our coal quality are highly valued by our customers, evidenced by the premium pricing we have received relative to the spot market on recent commitments with domestic customers for multi-year contracts. We are entering 2024 with over 90% of our coal sales volumes committed and priced at similar levels relative to 2023. We are expecting our production to be more consistent than 2023, believing we have moved beyond the several negative geologic areas that we faced this past year. As we think about the outlook for the coal industry and the markets we serve, several key themes emerge, underscoring the critical need for reliable, affordable, baseload fuel for electric generation. The first relates to increasing market expectations for nationwide energy demand. Over the past year, we should all take notice that grid planners have nearly doubled five-year load growth forecasts in support of ongoing investment in U.S. industrial and manufacturing sectors, as well as citing rising energy needs associated with data centers and artificial intelligence. While the speed of electrifying the transportation sector may have slowed, the enthusiasm for AI has accelerated. The power demand requirements for data centers cannot be uh, understated, highlighted by recent estimates that electric uh, demand from operational and announced uh, data centers in the U.S. will reach over 30 gigawatts in the coming years, with some individual sites needing upwards of 600 megawatts of power. These increased revisions are not temporary fluctuations, but represent fundamental changes to energy consumption patterns. Just last week, the governor of Indiana announced Facebook parent, Meta, will build an $800 million data center on a 600-acre site in Jeffersonville, Indiana, across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. And the governor said uh, his state aims to be the AI capital of the Midwest. While Kentucky's governor for several years has declared Kentucky as the undisputed electric battery production capital of the United States of America. Both of these messages suggest more to come, more proof to support our belief that low growth in our key markets will be exceptionally strong over this decade. Furthermore, we are observing a renewed emphasis and urgency by regulatory bodies, such as FERC and NERC, to ensure power grid reliability a fundamental attribute coal-fired generation provides. In the markets we serve, regulators, elected officials, and leaders focused on economic development are evaluating actions needed to ensure reliable electricity capacity is available to meet this growing electric demand, especially in peak times. Impacts from weather uh, time and time again display the weakness of the grid domestically and unfortunately at times the danger to consumers. Two weeks ago, after what was a relatively mild start to this winter, the U.S. experienced a cold snap in which over three-quarters of the country was exposed to below freezing temperatures and hundreds of thousands were without power. From Texas to the eastern United States, winter demand approached record levels and the state's grid operators asked 
for consumers to curb consumption due to a capacity shortage. It is times like that when wind turbines are often unable to turn and natural gas pipelines can be constrained in their ability to deliver that the grid is tested and failure can have catastrophic consequences. Having this strategic flexibility of coal on the ground elevates the service and reliability we provide to unmatched levels. It is for reasons similar to these that we believe the U.S. will continue to see delays and extensions in the premature closure of critical coal plants and why we are committed to serve these markets for many years to come. Over the past year, utilities have extended the plant operating life of approximately 10 gigawatts of coal generating capacity as a result of increasing electricity demand and delays in the construction of replacement generation, particularly renewables. We acknowledge the U.S. grid will evolve with time, but policy decision makers must be responsible and practical in doing so and currency policy needs to reflect the realities of exploding demand and of the laws of physics that dictate how electricity is generated, transmitted, and delivered. We believe we are well positioned to be part of the long-term solution, supplying reliable, affordable, baseload energy for consumers and creating long-term value for our unit holders. Now, turning to strategic updates related to our business, in 2024, we expect to complete the major infrastructure projects at Tunnel Ridge, Hamilton, Warrior, and the Riverview Complex. As Kerry mentioned, ARLP will start to recognize the benefits from these strategic investments in 2025 as capital expenditures will be significantly lower and our minds will be more productive, ensuring we maintain our position as the most reliable, low-cost producer in the United States in the eastern United States over the next decade. Turning to our royalty segment, uh, we remain committed to growing our oil and gas royalties business, which delivered record volumes in 2023. Over the past year, we acquired $111 million in additional oil and gas minerals, primarily concentrated in the Permian Basin. This marks our largest investment year since 2019. We love the cash flow potential the segment offers via hedge-free exposure to commodity price and organic growth. As we look to 2024, I would comment that during periods of commodity price volatility, the size and timing of acquisitions can be difficult to predict, as our growth strategy relies on strict underwriting standards for investment that we will not compromise in tight markets. We also remain committed to pursuing growth opportunities beyond coal and oil and gas royalties. As we advance these initiatives, our investment decisions will be selective, aligned with our core competencies, and focus on areas where we can add significant strategic value. Let me be clear, we are not interested in building a portfolio of passive venture uh, capital style investments. Initial positions should be thought of as potential platforms for future lines of business with long-term growth and cash flow generation. To that end, two weeks ago, we announced that our wholly owned subsidiary, Matrix Design Group, entered into an agreement with Infinitum to develop and distribute high-efficiency, reliable motors and advanced motor controllers designed specifically for the mining industry. 
This collaboration represents a natural progression and extension of our initial investment in Infinitum back in 2022. We believe their groundbreaking motor technology will bring much needed innovation to the mining industry by delivering more efficient and high, higher performing production equipment. Specific to Alliance, we believe their technology will improve our mining processes, reduce capital and operating costs, and help extend the life of certain mining equipment. Additionally, while we are unable to publicly quantify any potential revenue impacts at this time, we believe the relationship could lead to new revenue streams for Matrix by selling additional products to third-party uh, mining customers and OEMs around the world, like Matrix is currently doing as a technology leader for underground proximity detection systems. In closing, our business continues to be a generator of strong cash flows that positions us to continue improving our balance sheet by simultaneously pursuing the highest and best uses for our capital. I am proud of ARLP's performance in 2023 and encouraged by the opportunities in front of us as we gear up for what should be another successful year in 2024. That concludes our prepared comments, and I'll now, now ask the uh, operator to open the call for questions. Thank you. Operator. Thank you. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question today, please press star 1 from your telephone keypad, and a confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to move your question from the queue. For participants that are using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Thank you. Thank you. And our first question will be coming from the line of Nathan Martin with the Benchmark Company. Please proceed with your questions. Yeah, thanks, operator. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Carrie. Thanks for taking the questions. Morning. Um, I want to start with the distribution this quarter. Uh, coverage ratio was 1.8 times, looks like for the full year 23, uh, but it did dip to 1.3 times in the fourth quarter. You know, I know you guys have said you're okay with the distribution dipping down temporarily, but you know, it seems like keeping it closer two times this is where you prefer to be, obviously. But it would be great to get your thoughts there on the distribution and the coverage. And I think you mentioned last quarter uh, that your board meeting would be behind you by the time this call came around. So maybe any takeaways from those conversations as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question. Uh, so uh, we did finish uh, the year, as you mentioned, with those uh, coverage ratios that are included in our uh, in our press release. As we look to 2024, as we've indicated, you know, we believe 24 uh, has a potential to be just as good as 2023. You know, there are opportunities as we go uh, looking towards 25, we're also optimistic about our opportunities in 25. You know, we just talked about, you know, the capital will be coming down substantially in 25 versus 24. We believe our operating costs will be uh, lower, and primarily because of the efficiency of projects we've talked about. We believe natural gas uh, should be uh, higher priced in 2025 because of the LNG terminals that are coming online back half of 2024 in the United States. So there's a lot to be uh, optimistic about. We've signed some long-term contracts that give us some stability uh, through 2028. Uh, yet at the same time, uh, we do have not as much contracted in 25 as uh, uh, as we have in 24, where we've got over 90%. Uh, 
So I think as we move through the year, you know, the board will make a decision on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis as to whether to maintain the distribution at the 70-cent level. Uh, I believe we're in a position to do so, and that would be my expectation. Uh, and another factor that we'll have to consider is how does the market uh, react to, to our continued growth and our continued uh, opportunities that we have in front of us. You know, as I've mentioned in the past, we've been disappointed uh, that our unit price didn't track the distribution uh, increase that we gave in, in uh, 2023. Uh, so it'll be a quarter-by-quarter -quarter decision, but we're, as Kerry mentioned uh, in his prepared remarks, we're very focused on uh, growing our, our company, maintaining and growing our cash flow, and uh, returning that to the shareholders uh, similar to what we've been doing over the last 25 years. I appreciate that that color there, Joe. Um, maybe next, just a bit of a multi-prong question. Uh, you know, you just mentioned some of the contracts you guys did. It looks like an additional 12 million tons over that 2024 to 2028 period. Um, first, is it possible to get a breakdown of how those tons were spread throughout that time period, and then maybe you know some more color on what the pricing looked like? And then, second, for for this year specifically in 24. Um, you know, what portion of those committed tons are fixed price and what portion are open to market pricing still at this, at this point? I would assume the domestic tons are largely fixed, but are your export tons tied to an index, you know, like API2 or something um, where you could have some volatility? You know, are there any floors or ceilings in those contracts, maybe like some of your peers um, have had? So as far as the actual volume beyond uh, 2024, uh, I'm not. I don't have those numbers right now. I don't know if you've got those, Carrie. But back to, to the pricing. Uh, the pricing in 24 of our contract book is comparable to what our 2023 uh, average revenues are. Our domestic contracts do have escalators in them. Uh, some are fixed. Some are actually indices. Uh, they're. You know, our export volumes, I believe, it just goes through 2024. I don't think we have any in the out years, and those are fixed prices. Some of them do have uh, indices. They do tie to indices. Uh, specifically, our metallurgical contracts uh, are tied to some indices that uh, will fluctuate based on what the market is. Um, what, else, what did I miss from your questions? Yeah, I think, I think Nate, just in, in a follow-up in terms of the out years, I think if you go back and look at where we were guiding last quarter, um, you know, just in terms of commitments, if you look in the out years of those 12 million tons, they do go, you know, as we mentioned, out to 2028. Um, most of those volumes that go out uh, for that period of time are in the one and a half million ton range um, once you get beyond the 2024 period. So if you look at 2025 to 2028, you know, that would give you an indication of the level of contracts. Some of them will scale up and scale down, but, you know, they may be two million one year and then kind of scale down to, you know, closer to a million and a quarter as you get toward the tail end of it. But generally speaking, it's you know fairly significant volume you know, as you go over that 2025 through 2028 time period. And the message is, you know, they understand that they need to start lay layering in you know, some volume, and they're basically giving us confidence that those plants are needed uh, not only 
through the 28 time period, but beyond. Uh, so, you know, we are hearing from our customers that uh, the expectations are that with grid reliability, with the growth in electrification, uh, that the existing fleet of coal plants need to stay open longer. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we will see that play out. I mean, you know, the Biden administration, you know, continues to uh, suggest that they don't need to keep the plants open, uh, whereas uh, Republican candidates have all suggested that, that we do. So, uh, you know, I think that we believe that the law of physics is going to require and the growth in demand that these plants will stay open and that our, you know, we're very confident that our production volumes uh, will be sustained for, you know, the next five to six to seven years. That's, that's very helpful, guys. And then maybe just to kind of kind of wrap that up. I mean, really, I guess my questions kind of revolve around maybe what gets you to the to the low or the high end of your four-year 24 price per ton guidance, and you've got 32 and a half million tons. It looks like uh, committed and priced. Um, you know, maybe what's the assumption there in API two price? If that's you know what your export volumes are tied to, and we've seen some pressure there. Obviously, you mentioned that domestic contracts where you're pricing those have been above the spot rate, so that's that's a positive. Just trying to get a sense of maybe what gets you to the lower high end of that range. Thank you. Yeah, the whole range is going to be dependent on the export market. So we've seen the export pricing uh, on the indexes drop uh, probably ten to twelve dollars in the last month. We don't believe that's sustainable. Uh, we believe that the pricing will get back in the API 2 level that's greater than the $110 to $120 range uh, because we believe that that's what the world uh, uh, supply uh, will demand uh, for that, uh, you know, for those products. We do believe that demand is stable. Uh, however, the pricing right now is a little soft. And so the whole swing will be how we place those export tons throughout uh, 2024 uh, that will be the determining factor as to the, the ranges that you spoke to. But when you look at the total compared to our UI position, it doesn't move the, the needle that much because you know, we have so little tons that are needed to be placed uh, you know, for 2024. Great. I uh, appreciate those comments, guys. I'll, I'll pass it along to the next caller. Thanks for your time, and, and best of luck here in 24. Thank you. Our next question is from the line of Mark Reichman with Noble Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. So going into the fourth quarter, uh, you know, the, the delta between what was committed and priced in 2023, and uh, the uh, your guidance that was kind of uh, expected to be kind of what happened in the export market. So the tons sold came in kind of at the low end uh, compared to you know the guidance. So when do you expect that delta between committed and priced and, and what was sold? you know, to carry over into 2024? Will that mainly be in the first quarter? Or, uh, and I assume that's kind of already kind of baked into the 2024 guidance. 
Yes, that's right. That's right, Mark. We would we would expect those tonnages to roll over into into the first quarter, and it is baked into the the guidance that we provided. Okay, and then, you know, during the last conference call, you you, you didn't expect much in the way of fourth quarter outside coal purchases, but sequentially the number increased over 20 million from 11 and a half million. So, did the adverse conditions at Matiki? Did those just extend beyond your expectations, and, and do you think we're done with the outside coal purchases? So, yeah, the, so we, in the last uh, earnings call, we felt like the long wall would be up and running by the end of November, and it was actually delayed till the end of December. So we did have some shipments that we needed to buy some coal that we thought we would be able to produce that uh, we came up a little short and we may have to actually buy some in the first quarter. Uh, the long wall did come up the last week of December. It is operating as expected, uh, but depending on whether the timing of shipments is possible, we may have some purchases in the in the first quarter. Don't believe we are anticipating anything beyond that. Okay, uh, that that was a, at least a, when I compared to what our estimates look like. I think we were at the low end. Uh, uh, but that was kind of a, a, a difference. And then just lastly, um, you know, I know it's too early to talk about revenues, but this agreement between Infinitum and, and Matrix, um, rather than, you know, revenue numbers, can you just kind of maybe highlight the, the economics of becoming a global distributor for Infinitum, and are there any shared arrangements on the development of new mining products? So, I mean, will they just get the margin you know, from the sale of Infinitum's projects, products, or are there some other, like, you know, when they go in and install, you know, a, a project for a mining customer, are there other sources of revenue? What does kind of the revenue substack or revenue stack look like uh, for Matrix when they enter an arrangement like that with Infinitum? Well, the initial uh, project that we're working on, you know, they basically are making uh, – uh, equipment that effectively we're going to be testing in our operations in 2024. Uh, that'll start, I believe, in the second quarter of this year. Uh, Carrie, yeah. do you have those more specifics? And then that will roll in, and then we will start uh, hoping, hopefully be marketing those in 2025. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Joe. I'm, you know, our, the the products it you know kind of goes back to similar to what we did with IntelliZone where we're providing proof of concept uh, for these underground and so we have been uh, in discussions with with um, the regulatory agencies here um, you know for underground mining and do anticipate uh, those going underground here um, certainly by the second quarter you know we're hoping to push it you know even a little bit quicker than that. And we've got another motor uh, technology that we're also working on that would also need MSHA approval. And that's two. Uh, we would think that that would be manufactured and then sold into 2025. And our initial uh, focus will be uh, domestically, but then it, then it too would be rolling out sim similar to our proximity device and IntelliZone uh, that is currently being marketed uh, in South Africa and Australia. Well, that's very helpful. So I think that really when we look at the, to try to give you some idea, so I think we've got invested around $67 million in Infinitum. Okay. 
mm-hmm. and we believe that the cash flow that we'll receive just from uh, these two announcements are going to give us an attractive double-digit return just on that investment uh, as a byproduct of that relationship, and that doesn't even anticipate what we would get on that actual investment in infinitum. So that sort of gives you an idea of the scale of of the uh, opportunity just from this one or these two uh, products that we uh, are talking or or, are ready to uh, design, build, and and sell into the marketplace. Well, that's really helpful, and I appreciate that. I really didn't have too many questions on the guidance. I thought that was pretty straightforward and looked pretty good. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Our next question is from the line of David Marsh with Singular Research. Please proceed with your questions. Hi, guys. Thank you for taking the questions. Appreciate it, and uh, congrats on on a really great year. Um, Just as we start to look forward into 24, um, you know, I guess just some of my questions kind of echo a little bit some of the questions previously. I mean, particularly in, in Appalachia, it looks like, you know, you guys had some margin compression. Was that in part or largely due to um, your, your your production shortfall there um, and in and your your need to purchase uh, you know other externally produced coal yeah I mean that, that's that's right Dave I mean that there was margin compression in in Appalachia you know and primarily driven by um, the items that we talked about with the uh, production issues particularly in the back half of the year that we experienced within the region yeah, so essentially so, we had the long wall at Metiki didn't operate the second half of the year. So, you know, that now is operating. So you're going to see uh, us go, you know, that volume to come back into the market. At MC, we went from four units to three units starting, I believe, in September or October. So we were planning to operate at three units at MC. Uh, now, you know, we do have some new equipment there. So we think that our cost should be rather relatively stable. Uh, yeah, and then 24 there, but and then David, you look into 2024 in terms of the compression that you see on the margins on on that side of it. That's primarily on the top line driven, uh, as we had some higher price uh, contracts that were um, that we shipped on in 2023 that that expired, and uh, the market environment's a little bit lower as we look at where we're contracted in 2024 uh, related to the Appalachia region. Right, understood. So just pulling that thread forward on the Appalachian um, EBITDA expense per ton, um, we should naturally expect that to decline from the fourth quarter level, correct? And then what would the trajectory be of that? I mean, do you think you can get back down into the into the 40s or is that, are we, you know, living in a 50s kind of world in terms of expense per ton there? Uh, go ahead. I'd say you're looking at the 50s, uh, not the 40s. Uh, the industry is, you know, experienced inflation like all others. Uh, but uh, so all of our costs have gone up somewhat just because of inflation. Uh, But then you uh, factor in going from four units to three, 
another factor in Appalachia in 2024 is you know we're in the process of moving to the new reserves we bought at Tunnel Ridge and so we do have shorter panels in 2024 uh, compared to historic as well as projected in 25 forward so we, we're probably going to have some reduction in volume at Tunnel Ridge that enters into into that mix. Uh, but yeah, you're looking at you know probably mid 50s uh, in Appalachia for the year uh, would be uh, the estimate right now. Something in uh, mm-hmm. which is what we've sort of guided to. Uh, the 5725, right. 57, 25. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it, are we going to – I'm just trying to get an understanding of trajectory on it. Will it, will it start still kind of closer to the the Q4 level and gradually decline over, throughout the year, or is it going to just – you know, is there going to be a, a pop down and then a flat – Kind of throughout the right year. now, our quarter, our first quarter appears to. Uh, it looks like it'll be in the low, low end of the range, if if not lower than the range. So, uh, if we can get the volume out of Metiki that we're anticipating, uh, first quarter should be a good quarter. And then, when you look at the projectory beyond 2024 into 25, we should start seeing the benefits of us. Uh, getting into the new reserves uh, at Tunnel Ridge. So we should see some decline in the 2025 time period, depending on inflation, of course. I mean, inflation could take some of that away. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's excellent. That's very, very helpful. Um, And then just lastly for me, you know, in terms of, you know, as you look at your cash flow and and um, your you know your opportunity set with that cash flow, could you just kind of rank it in terms of priorities? Um, you know, expansion capex into like the new lines of of business that you've been pursuing versus debt reduction and uh, and potential increase to the distribution. So I think our priority, as Carrie mentioned, will be pay down the debt. Uh, we will be paying down the senior notes uh, in 24 and, and potentially in the first quarter of next year. However, uh, he's also looking at finan- you know, refinancing or entering into some, in, into some facilities that will give us capacity to grow. Uh, you know, some of them will be funded but most, you know, hopefully some of them will be unfunded, uh, be revolver-type arrangements. Uh, so then, you know, the, uh, as far as growth, we've talked about oil and gas. You know, we'll continue to, to invest there. We will still have opportunities to invest in in other items. You know, they, there's nothing on the horizon that uh, that I can give you any specifics on how we would allocate that capital. Uh, but we are continuing to look at multiple areas of investment. And so uh, we've got a capital allocation process that will evaluate uh, investments in future cash flow growth, uh, which uh, we do put as a priority. And then uh, alternatively, we will look at uh, uh, 
you know, whether there are other uses for for that capital. I mean, I think that distributions have continued to be high on our priority list, so uh, it's my goal that, you know, distributions will be consistent, uh, but uh, we got to evaluate, you know, the future is, you know, on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis, as we talked about. So that will include not only just, you know, the, the future markets, but just as important, uh, the opportunities in front of us to make investments. Got it. Thank you very much. That's uh, that's all I have. Our next question is from the line of Dave Storms with Stonegate Capital. Please proceed with your questions. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just a couple quick ones for me. Uh, Curious as to how you're thinking about the labor outlook now that we're kind of through the holidays and, you know, maybe labor might start picking up. I know you mentioned that you might be sticking with the three units at Matike, I believe it was, but, you know, with some of these uh, capital improvement projects expected to be completed this year, is that going to require, uh, you know, increased hiring? So uh, we have seen an improvement uh, in, our in our retention and our availability of labor. Uh, specifically in Illinois Basin as an example. So we do have uh, the Henderson County mine that we're developing that should become operational. Well, it is operational as we're ramping, but it should get to uh, uh, where we will be increasing staffing at that mine uh, by the end of 2024 or during 2024 as that ramps up. Uh, we expect that that plant or that mine will be you know, we'll have uh, more production starting in 25. Uh, that you know, effectively what we're doing at Riverview is we're basically having two portals instead of one. And that second portal will be at Henderson County. So there will be some hiring there. Uh, there still is need of some hiring uh, at our mines just back to uh, normal attrition. Uh, not not what we've been experiencing the last two or three years, but what we would consider to be normal. So I think on a labor front, we're in a better position than we have been uh, historically. Uh, at MC Mining, you know, we still see challenges, so we're uh, currently not anticipating increasing that uh, mine back to four units. Uh, it's possible, uh, but. Uh, that's the one area that we're continuing to see challenges of being able to attract sufficient numbers to to commit uh, to bringing back that unit. But I think everywhere else, you know, we've been encouraged by uh, the recent activity of people wanting to come work for us. Very helpful. Thank you. And then just on the uh, inventory front, uh, how comfortable are you with your current inventory levels? Uh, are you expecting to continue to burn those off? I know they were uh, impacted by that temporary outage. Um, now that hopefully things are starting to normalize, would you expect your inventory levels to continue to track down slightly? I think, you know, our goal is to maintain, you know, more than likely just as a working uh, inventory level, uh, given the amount of tons we're putting in the export market, it's right at a million tons a month. Uh, but it will fluctuate based on timing of vessels uh, because, you know, the vessels, you know, 
take, you know, it may be on the 30th, it may be on the 2nd, so there could be 60 to 100,000 tons right there that could put us in a position that could, we could be a little higher than that, but our goal would be to maintain inventory at, at right at that million ton a month level. Uh, right now, I think it's around mil, million three, something of that nature, but so it's going to be in that swing area, I would say. Understood. And then Last one from me, uh, kind of on a macro level. I thought I saw that LNG export terminal constructions have been paused uh, in, in the U.S. Do you anticipate that if this becomes a prolonged uh, pause, that it'll increase demand for uh, international coal as you know consumers need to switch from LNG to coal, or uh, is this not something uh, the, we should really have on our radar at this point. Uh, the pause is not in construction. It's on uh, it's on new permits. It may be permits that be under currently under regulatory review. But as far as the uh, terminals that are under construction, they're continuing uh, to be completed, and uh, the permits that have been issued but are not under construct construction, it's our understanding that those two are allowed to to proceed. So we don't anticipate any interruption in the uh, uh, the demand indoor supply for uh, uh, LNG uh, and, you know, until the end of the decade uh, you know, as a result of these permits. So we believe that these permits, these plants that have been permitted will, in fact, uh, be developed and that uh, the demand uh, for LNG will continue to be strong uh, for, you know, the remaining uh, decade. That's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, I, this concludes our question and answer session, and I'll hand the call back to Mr. Carey Marshall for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and to everyone on the call, we appreciate your time this morning and also your continued support and interest in Alliance. Our next call to discuss our first quarter 2024 financial and operating results is currently expected to occur in April, and we hope everyone will join us again at that time. This concludes our call for the day. Thank you. Thank you. You may now disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.